This show comes to you from the Art of Change Skills for Life. Visit www.artofchange.com to explore how you might grow your communication and leadership skills through workshops, coaching, and more. Plus, you get to work with me. A little bit of warning for today's episode. In talking about how people process and manage change, mental health and wellness certainly is part of the equation. And today we will be discussing surviving suicide. If you know someone who is struggling, or if you yourself have considered the option of ending your own life, I would encourage you to please seek help. Call the crisis prevention hotline in your local area. The world is better with you in it. My guest today is a leadership consultant and NED who works with purpose-led business leaders on change and transformation and is an ambassador for mental health in recruitment. My guest is Chris O'Connell. I'm Aidan Nepom, and this is The Change Podcast. Welcome to The Change Podcast, Chris O'Connell. Thanks, Aidan. Thanks for having me on. I'm delighted to be here. I'm really excited to have you on the show. Um, we met as co-guests on another show, the Essex Business Radio show, and I just really um, enjoyed your perspective. And then when I heard tiny little tidbits of your story, I was like, well, I think we'd better have you on the show. Yeah. It's funny how things work out. You know, the more kind of people you meet and talk to a network, actually, it yields uh, different conversations. And I was equally impressed with the stuff that you do as well. So I'm very hopeful of a very good conversation, actually. Thank you. Um, well, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm on the West Coast of the United States. You don't sound like you're on the West Coast of the United States. Chris, where are you from? I'd like to be, but um, I was born in <laughs> London, um, but I moved to Bristol 20 years ago. And Bristol is a beautiful part of the, of the UK, uh, very close to the coast and uh, lots of good sort of music restaurants. Well, pre-COVID anyway, but it's a good cultural city that I really like. Yes. So I imagine it's getting uh, either close to dinner or past dinner time where you are. Yeah, absolutely. It's get, getting, uh, starting to get dark a little bit. So, um, you know, I've given a little bit of an introduction. I, I think the, the piece that I think people may be curious about is the mental health and recruitment. I think that's a particularly interesting aspect of the multifaceted work that you do. Would you mm. mind sharing just a little bit of that? Yes, Mental Health and Recruitment is a global organisation um, that serves mainly the recruitment industry across across the world. And the whole concept is around creating awareness within mental health in the workplace, but not just awareness, then a platform to change and action uh, where businesses can actually manage mental health a lot better um, as you may know um, mental health has always been around but there's always been a major stigma attached attached to it you know people not being willing or able or um, honest enough to actually admit, admit they do have mental health my view is that every single person has a form of mental health we all have a mind mm -hmm. and particularly with covid i think um, it's come to the fore quite a lot so um, the founder Rhonda uh, launched it three or four months ago and we've had a great response we've done a survey recently um, and for me it's about people like me and as many people as possible showing up as our true selves so I've done a number of podcasts where I've talked about my own mental health um, which is quite a paradox being a leadership coach is quite a brave thing to do I'll talk to you about why I've done that in, in, in a bit but um, 
you know, and encouraging others that it's okay not to be okay. And actually it's a strength and courage to be open about your feelings and your mental state, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't only help you, it helps other people. So it's uh, something I'm very passionate about and something I think is very prevalent for everyone across the world. Yeah. You mentioned that aspect of doing that in the context of being a leadership coach. I, I mm. do think that many people associate um, authority or working with authority as needing to yeah. prove your worthiness and mental health yeah. is uh, talking about the, you know, <clears throat> any th- issues that we may be having feels so incredibly risky. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I think, I think that's really interesting at the end of the day it's we're all humans so it makes a lot of sense to me that vulnerability would actually be an asset and not a drawback i think so i mean i'll talk to you about my journey but obviously i've been a a reasonably successful leader in my own right now i coach leaders but you know where i am where i'm now is born out of my own vulnerability and leadership myself you know when i was running a multi-million pound business i used to put a suit on become a very different person like a stoic kind of motivational person that wasn't necessarily me because i felt i had to be that person so i changed into this different person and i think actually uh, when a leader takes off his mask or his cloak or his kind of veil of uh, of strength and actually engages with his people or her people uh, you do actually get better buying and better performance. And that is what I'm finding um, that some leaders are finding difficult and some leaders are embracing. So it's that whole mm-hmm. change. And I think the whole landscape is changing around that compassion and empathy led approach, as opposed to work harder and, and shouting and telling and pointing at people. It, it needs to be a completely different way of engaging. Yeah. I mean, I find that this is true across the board. It's not just in uh, leadership. I'm finding this is true yes. um, in in collaborative endeavors, artistic endeavors, the old model of directing theater, for example, um, Mm -hmm. isn't really working anymore. There's a lot of chatter coming out about the abusive nature of theater instruction. Yeah. They sort of break down the performer until they can finally receive critique effectively. And then those are all broken people out in the world pretending to be other people for a living. You know, uh, parenting as well. Yesterday, my mother came over and watched a movie uh, with the family and my uh, my stepdaughter spilled her milk, classic. And and we just cleaned it up. It wasn't a thing. Mm. And my mom was like, oh my God. If I had done, when I was a kid, when I spilled anything, I got screamed at, screamed at, how could you spill that? What are you doing? Go clean it up. And it was like, you know, that's just not how we do it in our house. It's amazing how, um, what happens in our past, you know, our parents, it cascades down to us. And it's, you know, sometimes I have to watch myself around uh, re-engineering some of the habits that I picked up from my parents around how I manage or parent my, my children as well. And, you know, how many times was I told, no, you can't do that. And actually uh, an approach of just talking, talking is is better than, you know, just telling someone, no, I I think it's uh, can be very damaging that, that very singular approach around just being told you can't do something, you can't do this. You're not supposed to do this. You know, I think it's about balance between uh, providing autonomy um, and allowing individuals to be the masters of their own destiny and also make mistakes as well. I mean, you've got to learn from your mistakes. It's a very fascinating time we're in, I think, at the moment. Yeah. Well, it's 
changing times and speaking of changing times the topic of the uh of the show of course is change is sort of this general idea we use this word yeah. change everywhere for all kinds of things mm. so i'm i'm curious chris when you hear the word change when you think about change in your own life what does that mean to you that is ever evolving you know i i constantly look back at myself um and think at the time i was in a really good place and then I, where i am now i'm constantly ha being a better version of myself it's like it's, it's very fascinating so I, I currently right now i think i'm in a good place i think i'm mentally strong i'm doing all the right things but i, I just know that there's so much more potential so much more that can that can happen to me and sometimes change is is forced upon us and sometimes change you know we, we choose to have change as well and that's that's a, um you know i've had a lot of trauma in my life as well that has kind of made me the person i am but i still think you have a choice uh, around how you react to certain situations as well um and I, I find change fascinating you know um i've i believe i've enabled a lot of my own change but also it does it does affect you you know the, the type of people you hang around with what content you absorb what you're doing outside of work can really affect uh, your evolution as well so but also as well some people fear change some people don't mm -hmm. um, enjoy any form of different perspective um, which i find fascinating as well yeah i find that very intriguing i haven't had many guests on the show who have openly admitted that like change is terrifying and difficult most people yeah. who are interested in coming on the show um uh, you know already sort of recognize the inevitability that change is and so it's all in how you mm. deal with change that matters but i but i'm also like super curious what is that like to live in a world that's constantly in flux mm. and just be sort of like clinging to i don't know your your barca lounger for dear life yeah you know i think that's right i think we're, we're all in that same boat to an extent now with what's going on with the landscape so there's there's constant yeah. change constant different rules and regulations so the way i center myself is just to think about what my values are what my purpose actually is and my purpose is to is to try and serve others and continually improve myself so i think if you've got the right values and the right principles and the right purpose you kind of you kind of condition yourself to change and you kind of expect it and, and you kind of embrace it uh, a bit more i think as well because um, we just know it's, it's, it's constantly constantly going to happen now i mean god knows what's around the corner yeah <laughs> I, i'm kind of struck by that it's always been that way we just didn't notice like it's yeah, just sort of been maybe. thrust in our face more this year 2020 yeah. has been very much like oh guess what else it's different yeah. now and it's only been an hour <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. laugh our way through it and just bring it on basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um although i imagine everyone will need therapy after this year but who will be the therapist mm. for the therapists that's what well, i wonder oh i say that a lot who leads the leader who trains the trainer and everything yeah everyone needs someone definitely yep yeah um well, Chris, I was wondering if you, as you were thinking about change before joining the program, I, you know, you've been through so many changes. I, mm. Was it hard? Did it? Did you find it hard to think about like what? What is one fork in the road moment for me that? Because I know that for you, there's been many. There's been two or three really big ones, and probably a couple of dozen 
quite big ones. Um, but I think I would say losing uh, my business um, and then having uh, a couple of very severe suicide attempts, which I can talk about now if you like. Um, I built a very, very successful um, multi-million pound business that won numerous awards across the globe. Um, we were flying very high. Um, and for one reason or another, that business then um, failed and I lost, I lost the business. And I took, I had to take three or four years out because um, I was burnt out as well. So going from a very successful CEO in my own right to, you may have known this program, Judge Judy, watching Judge Judy every day, watching daytime TV every day was, was a huge, huge contrast, you know? Um, and it affected my mental health beyond any comprehension, really. Mm. Uh, I mean, my mum abandoned me when I was two. That was bad enough. But this this kind of loss of my identity, my purpose, uh, uh, hit me for six. So it was gradually building up over weeks. Um, I was getting up later, late, later and later during the day. And then for about a week, I thought seriously about committing suicide. Um, and... Uh, the day arose when I decided I was going to get in my car and drive to a particular train station which I'd already thought about and I was 100% convinced in my own head this was what I was going to do 100% nothing would change that and the sense of relief I was forward thinking about of being no longer being here was 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 amazing I was saying to myself if, if I could stop how I was feeling uh, that would be the best route so I got into the car drove to the station my car broke down um some some person managed to help me fix it uh, um got to the station and had planned out that this particular station had trains high-speed trains traveling through it every 25 minutes or so so it's pretty much guaranteed that i would be able to jump in front of one i uh, got got onto the platform uh, and there was one or two people there. I was pacing up and down, waiting for the train to come. 20 minutes passed, no train. And then one came, but it stopped at the station, um, which was uh, not helpful for me at the time. And then it got half an hour, 35 minutes, come on train. I was willing and begging the train to actually come because I was just going just gonna to jump. I was looking over the, the edge, knowing I could do it. And then I got a phone call from somebody um, and I kind of somehow snapped out of it and managed to get back into my car and, and drove home. So, and there's been two or three instances like that. Um, and since that point in time, um, I completely changed my mindset. I was a very uh, materialistic individual, very successful, but very focused on my, you know, what house I'd have, what car I have, what holiday I might have the biggest office, the next award, um, and extremely successful, but wasn't really on the planet. Um, so that incident completely changed my mindset around why I'm here. Uh, and now I'm full of gratitude, full of purpose and full of fulfillment. And my, my modus operandi has completely changed. Uh, I'm happy to talk about my mental health um, and my uh, suicide attempts and I want to help as many people as possible uh, who go through the same kind of feelings and thoughts um, because I know what it's like. Thank you for sharing that that's very vulnerable and <clears throat> excuse me it's okay. and very vivid 
Yeah, I do you recall before you got in the car, where were you? I was at what home. was happening that day? Oh, it was, it was a bit of a build-up, actually, over time. But I think it got really strong for about seven or eight days before then. Every day I woke up thinking, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And it, it, as each day got closer, that feeling of intensity of wanting to kill myself was just palpable. I just couldn't, I couldn't really get out of bed. I couldn't really do anything. I was very depressed. I was just, I just, it was just, it just everything just became, every single thing just became a huge challenge I saw every single kind of decision or thought as just negative and wrong it was just quite hard to explain if I may backtrack a little bit and give you some context um yeah I think that'd be great good so I was uh born in a caravan um and I was two my brother was three my dad came home from work he was working night shifts to find me handing out the caravan window my brother readied the fridge so my dad came home from work and she had my mum had left us in the caravan or trailer uh, all night and never turned up again so she stole whatever possessions we had and vanished didn't turn up for any custody or anything so I was abandoned my dad um, wasn't particularly emotionally intelligent emotionally aware capable of looking after two very young boys he just wasn't didn't wasn't ready emotionally to do that so I was fostered for four years um then he remarried and uh I was abused by his wife so lots of kind of childhood trauma which didn't didn't really bode me very well and the first two female figures in my life were obviously uh not great role models for me that affected my relationships and my confidence and everything really at school very very shy felt very different very inferior um didn't feel connected to anyone really because I just felt that um you know I wasn't worthy basically um managed to battle through that and uh you know earn enough money to move out of my dad's house we moved back to my, my dad and then joined a, a corporate recruitment company one of the largest in the, in Europe and in uh, for some reason although it was a very very hardcore sales environment I became the worldwide top bidder there and I think the reason why I did that was because I had no fear around what what had happened to me when I was a young I kind of didn't treat anyone as, as inferior or anyone as superior I just kind of went for it Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, became the worldwide top biller um, and became very successful and then built built my business that I talked about got that to several multi-million pound levels um, and so very 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 successful career um, but personally and emotionally uh, and psychologically I was all over the place um, uh, so kind of left was living two lives really um on the face of it you'd see me in a very sharp suit you know directing leading coaching people uh doing very well um but I was a bit of a mess actually um and how I got to that level I still can't really explain it <laughs> what that trauma uh gave me my drive and I think you can you can either talk about change you can there's lots a lot of stuff that's happened to me but it's it's minimal compared to other people don't get me wrong so I'm not looking for sympathy and I don't think I ever have but that's so interesting so I the people who have had the most traumatic stories often will then follow them with but I know that I don't have it that bad compared to other people so I 
I don't. Is that just you feeling like your trauma isn't worthy, or is that because you don't want people to? You worry about people judging, and I I apologize if this is an insensitive way no, to ask this question, but it comes up not. so much. No, I think you're probably right. I think there probably is a little bit of that in there, to be honest. But uh, I think also as well, I think that um, I don't think I've ever used it in a way of wanting to be a victim or put myself in a victim state. What I what I'm saying is that you can have the adversity and the trauma. You can actually use it to your advantage. And I, I now see that as a gift because it has enabled mm. me to, to push on. It has enabled me now to see things from a different perspective. I've got no resentment towards any of that. So, um, but yeah, that worthiness is still there in me a little bit. Um, and actually, I, I almost see that as helpful because I now recognize that. And I can see it in other people as well. So I, I use that as a way of coaching it out of others as well and, and actually explain. And by, by being myself, people can see my vulnerability. And the, and most of my clients, will they see it as a massive strength because I'm being myself, whereas other coaches might go in in a very kind of rigid suit and try and do the archetypal, right. this is my program, this is how it works. Every single person is different. So I don't go, I don't go into my businesses with a preset, this is what I'm going to do. I understand the individual and then tailor it from there. And But primarily by just opening up and being myself so I will, what i don't encourage is people to be so open and honest that um you know uh you can lose respect by just being too vulnerable but i think there is a definite need to tweak our approaches with our personal lives our friends our, our colleagues around just being ourselves a bit more that's what i'd say i i'm imagining um you standing there on the train platform and the frustration of that, of the, the time you had it all timed out and then the timing yeah, didn't work in your favor, but you had mm. done your homework, which, um, mm. I, I, wor- you know, I worry about being indelicate when I talk about these things, but I, um, my personal experience around suicide has been that often people do do their homework mm. and, um so you know what do you think what do you think happened there was it divine intervention was it chance was it did the train break down on the other end do you, what what would have happened if that you know you never would have gotten that phone call but yeah i think it was for divine intervention who knows i do believe a, a little bit around kind of that kind of stuff but um i'm just thankful that it didn't now and you know i think but it's very difficult to get people to understand. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure some listeners who haven't experienced that or don't necessarily believe they've had mental health issues or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've heard stories around people describing it as very selfish and very kind of, and to an extent it is, but when you're under that influence of thinking it, honestly, yeah, I defy anyone not to, not to, want to do that it's it's very it's a very difficult thing to explain um and and in that in those moments um were you thinking about who what the consequences would be for the people who were left behind yeah I was but obviously not enough um and I think back now I mean the devastation that would have caused um is it was making me upset talking about it um I've got at the time I had one young child I've now got two 
Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, that, that probably uh, is the biggest denominator in all of this moving forward now. So, I, I, I unfortunately, I can't change what happened. Um, no, of course what, not. What, what I can change is um, how I react to that and what I can do to help others um, avoid that situation as much as possible. And the reason I'm so curious, and I will be editing this piece out, but my stepfather committed suicide. Oh, wow. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Well, that was like uh, 11 years ago, 12 years ago. Really? Um, so, it, you know, so it's like a rare opportunity for me to try and understand something. But my mom listens to the show, so I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless you. Um, uh, well, so here, here's what comes up for me is like, um, oh, I remember what I was going to ask you. It wasn't about that. That was why I couldn't remember the question is because I had to be honest about what I'm experiencing around this. A lot of times when it comes to suicide, the people who are left behind have this like anger, this like, mm. how could you, how could you do this to me? How yes. could you? And so that's, you know, the, the tears for me are this like guilt around that because uh, I was angry because of caring so deeply about her, you know? Yeah. But people have this like anger at the person who left. And that's under understandable. But then it, I think anger then does turn to grief and loss, doesn't it? Or people just, or they do it the other way around. They have a loss first and the anger. It can be, it can affect people in different ways. So. But I, I also wonder if it's like, you know, what I'm hearing from you is, in that in that moment you were in you were in distress you were in pain it wasn't you, you certainly considered the people who would be left behind but in yeah. that moment that's not it's like priorities is just to end that pain i think i think i think um it it got so bad that i my thinking was around i'll be doing them a favor if i wasn't alive but my own children yeah. my, my my wife my my brother my family Oh, they'll feel better if I wasn't alive. That's how bad it was. Obviously, completely wrong. And I've heard this. Um, I have heard this from people uh, who are still yes. with us. Thank, thank God. Yeah. Um, who, who's the narrative is like they they try and convince themselves that the world will be a better place yes. without them. Mm. And I, I'm of a strong mind that if you are here. It's because you're supposed to be here, whatever that means. But if you weren't yeah. supposed to be here, you wouldn't. And I apply this to the terrible as well as the good. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, not to say that there's some divine, I, I'm not a religious person. So, I, you know, I don't really know what the yeah. explanation is for why we're all here, but no, no. We're, we're all here, you know? Um, yeah. I, and that goes for this like horror horrible people are here doing horrible things if they get mm -hmm. to be here yeah then then you a good person should also be here and you the person who's doing mediocre things should still be here and mm. you the person who's like failed at doing everything good and just has you know you're under a pile of crap you still get to be here i just yeah. i'm I'm just of that mind that being here entitles you to be here. How you, how you choose to be is, is, is your, is your choice, I guess. But yeah, I think um, we've all got a right to, to, to a life without doubt, uh, unless there's completely 
heinous, abhorrent situations going on, of course. But, um, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that gets tricky. That gets into sort of capital punishment questions, doesn't yeah. it? But <laughs> maybe, and, not, uh, maybe not for this podcast. Who knows? <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, uh, the changing landscape of the penal system might be a very interesting mm-hmm. question as well, because I do think that there's... Yeah, some people can be recuperated and some people cannot, but, yes. um, uh, but yeah, that does get into complicated territory, doesn't it? But I, I guess, um, we wouldn't want, we don't like it. I guess it still applies because we don't like it when a single person is judge, jury and executioner for someone else. So mm-hmm. what would entitle an individual, right? To be judge, jury and executioner of themselves. Yeah. That doesn't seem fair either. No. No, absolutely. Uh, that might be where that comes from. Well, I'm just talking a lot. Um, let me ask you this. For people who are in that state of mind, so, you know, I can talk about the survivor side of it all day long, but for people who are in that state of mind, in that frame of mind, mm-hmm. what can what can they do? How do you... How do you is there a way to shake yourself loose? I, I think there are ways. Um, there's lots of different advice out there. I, I do think it does stem from uh, trying to love yourself first, which is very difficult, but you, you can get there. But I, I think it. I think it's about having that courage and having that bravery to say I'm not okay. And actually, the more times you do that, more often than not, what I found is when I've said that to people, they actually say, oh, I'm, I'm not okay as well. So you want to get to a point where, you know, when you ask someone, are you right? And they go, yeah, okay. It's like, there's, there's no substance to it. You know, are you okay? If someone asks me that question, I'll be honest with them. And say, actually, yeah, I'm either, I'm really good. Or actually, no, today I'm feeling really anxious, actually. Um, I've had a panic attack or whatever. And it kind of, it's so initially it's, 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 I think it's, it's trying not to feel, uh that there's a stigma around not being okay um and talking to as many people as possible having that 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 ability just to go i am going to reach out to someone i am going to phone someone um uh it helps as well but it 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 does it does really matter the type of in this day and age facebook instagram all the social media stuff what you eat, the exercise, the people you hang around with, it all contributes to our mental health. So I think on a general level, you know, if you can try and um, make some time for yourself. So as, as a leader, I spent 90, 95%, 100% of my time just focused on work. And that's what done me in in the end. So my advice to anyone is try and put yourself first in a selfless way. So wake up in the morning and go for a walk or eat the right food or don't go straight onto your phone. Just try and start your day uh, in a way where you've given yourself some grounding, do some breathing, do some exercise, do some meditation. But if you're in that particular state where, you know, everything is dark, um, I think your point's very, very pertinent around what's the aftermath going to be like if you did follow that through. Mm-hmm. You make a very good point around actually what would my partner feel? What would my, my, my siblings feel? What would my kids feel like actually if I did this? Uh, and that's a good way of snapping you back into it. Taking, your, taking yourself out of your own thoughts is the only way I could advise is the best way. Instead of it all being about you, 
put yourself in your child's shoes, put yourself in your mother or father's shoes around you being dead from suicide. That can really help. And that's what that's what normally happens is that we get so entrenched in our own negative thinking. It's all about us. Try not to think about you as a person. Think about somebody else. And that can that can work quite well as well. I have a friend who um, ideates suicide from time to time. And her one reason that she has never pulled the trigger, so to speak, is that she uh, feels like there is no guarantee that it's better on the other side. Yeah. So this, you know, this idea that like it would be a profound relief and she can even get to that place where even though she's of tremendous value to me and I've expressed it Mm. multiple times and I try and express it as often as I can, but ultimately that has to come from inside her. It can't come externally, but, um, despite that she can still convince herself that like I would be better off that her dog would be better off you know she can get there but she's so terrified that it wouldn't end and then she'd be trapped Mm. in a worse situation like she's yeah and so that's for her that's been her like release valve to get back to Mm. reality so to speak yeah and that's it and I think you're right everyone it's got their own little way of getting out of it. And what I've just said might what might work for me or other people, but not for others. So on a general level, the only way I think is that we can all contribute to helping others is, is by having these conversations. I mean, I don't, I don't have to do this. I could have talked about something completely different. I could have talked about a different pivot or change in my life, but I've chosen, I've chosen this um, because, because I think it's, 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 it's actually very pertinent of the times as well. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, with the climate, the situation we're going to be in for, months maybe even years now um the more people that are able to do this i think it's it's the way forward and hopefully the listeners will see that as a a positive thing and uh not one that's um you know not negative in any way can i ask you this when did you start getting to a place where you were comfortable talking about this because to me that's a pretty profound change because mm. you know that the anxiety and and um ideating suicide these things are typically the mm. things that we that we collectively um, yeah. as humans hide from each other little yeah. terrible secrets we tuck away in the deep darkest yeah. holes in our heart so mm. bringing this out into the open what was the mo- what was the change what was the fork in the road moment that sparked that? Yeah. Oh, good question. I think, I think probably about two years ago, only two years ago, um, where I, uh, got divorced, left the family home and had some time on my own where I could really, really reflect, mm-hmm. um, not have to answer to anybody and just have that time to think, hang on a second. I'm, I'm 43 now. I was 41 at the time. Stop, pause. And just honestly, look at my life and it was transformative um i no longer thought my i no 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 longer thought i wasn't worthy i reflected on my success and saw it as success whereas before i, I was embarrassed by it hmm. uh, i think i just had that time where i just thought you know um i'm all right i'm actually okay and i was doing th- doing things like looking at myself in the mirror and talking to myself every day and saying chris you're okay actually so I think it, I think it just came with age. I think it was a culmination of severe loss, trauma, uh, and big events in my life, losing my 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 mum, being abused, my business, suicide attempts, losing my business, um, 
and then moving into a into a small flat starting having to start completely again and thinking hang on it's not about what house i live in it's not about anything other than the only way i'm going to get out of this is if i start at least liking myself let alone loving my bloody self and i got to a point where actually i just started i saw myself differently and i started to respect myself it's very hard to put my finger on i just think i just had that time to reflect and now um yeah i'm really proud of who i am and um i'm not afraid or ashamed to admit anything you know i've got my faults i've also got a hell of a lot of ability i've got a big heart uh, i'm still learning got a long way to go um and uh yeah um i'm looking forward to the next next period of my life well Thank you so incredibly much for being hugely vulnerable with me. And okay. is there, <laughs> and with everybody listening, yeah. <laughs> um, is there, is there any last uh, thoughts you'd like to share with people? Anything you want to leave them with that they can tuck in their pocket and take with them after listening to this episode? I just hope people can take something from this uh, if at the very least they take on board that it's okay to be yourself. And what I mean by that is your true self. It's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to, to be vulnerable. If anything, that brings a lot more trust and engagement anyway. So lose the, lose the business attire uh, or whatever, or, or, the, or the mask and just, just don't be afraid to be you and just, just enjoy, enjoy yourself and then others will enjoy you as well. Chris, thank you. This conversation has taken a couple of unexpected turns for me, but I'm incredibly grateful for, for you being here today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it and I uh, hope we can chat again soon. it's so hard for us to just admit that we're human to each other. We work so hard to just convince ourselves that we're supposed to be perfect accomplishment machines, just success manufacturers, completely flawless. And we work really hard to put on the appropriate mask because quite honestly, there are ample signals out there that our best just isn't good enough. But there are also ample signals in our lives that our best is yet to come. And the truth is we have choices about how we perceive ourselves. Our perspective matters a great deal. Speaking of perspective, I'm reminded of that old story of two kids, one thrown into a room filled with toys, the other thrown into a room filled with horseshit and a shovel. The first kid, when they went, you know, a few hours later, is found just like in a pile of broken toys, just sobbing because they didn't get what they wanted. But the other kid is found just gleefully, giddily shoveling shit. And when asked why, he says, with all this poop, there's got to be a horse in here somewhere. Your sense of worthiness must come from within, as must your perception of the ever-changing world around you. I would suggest that as you dig deep for that sense of, I belong here, that you include your flaws in what makes you unique and just be the best you that you can be. And recognize that there will be days when the best you've got is binge-watching Judge Judy because we're all only human after all. Thank you for listening to The Change Podcast. If you found this conversation helpful or insightful, please share it with a friend. Remember to click subscribe if you haven't already and definitely leave us a review. If you know someone who is in a dark place, 
or if you are considering taking your own life, I would encourage you to seek help immediately by calling the Crisis Prevention Hotline in your area. I'm Aidan Nepom, and I wish you the kind of experiences in life you're excited to tell stories about.